Well, welcome to this week's podcast of Live Transform. I'm Bob Meissner. My beautiful wife, Audrey, and Dr. Jim Richards is joining us as well. And we want to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know that you are wanting to really expand and take the limits off your life with Jesus. And this is the right place to be for this. Yeah. And be sure to take the opportunity to tell others about the podcast Mm -hmm. and go back and listen to previous ones. In fact, today is there's a, a, a direct link to last week's podcast mm-hmm. as, as we move forward. This is kind of like a part two, and our hope today is that you're going to really enjoy the conversation because we're all friends, uh-huh. right? We're all friends, we're all family. But most of all, just get to a whole new level of relationship with Jesus and how loved you are. We will never reach the point where that ends because yep. it is a continual forever until we see him face to face. So with us is Dr. Jim Richards, and he uh, the ministry there is Impact Ministries. Uh, be sure to Google that and look it up, uh, mm-hmm. Impact Ministries, but then as well, Heart Physics. And so uh, J- Dr. Jim and ourselves, we've had what feels like a lifelong relationship. Oh, yeah. And, and it has just really just been the best for me. And, mm-hmm. and to have him as a friend, but also as one that has mentored our lives. Um, it, oh, you, yeah. We, Deeply affected yeah, our life. Exactly. And so what we have benefited from, this is the very purpose for this podcast, is that we just want to be, be you know, to share this with you. Yep. And so to listener, introduce you this to one him is for and the you. multiple resources that are available. As well, Audrey and I uh, are relationship specialists, and uh, you can visit Bob and Audrey.com and resources there. And we have an intensive coming up this in September. September. Yep. So not all yet. kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So, Jim, welcome. It's uh, good to have you with us again. It is good to be here. And of course, I'm just chomping at the bits to get into th- this subject matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we you know, we last week we were talking about something that really led into this about what is the difference between being relational with God? Like what is our intention yeah. when we approach God? Yeah. And that was the big question we asked last week. So this week, let's just dive right in there, Jim. You know, and, and I guess I guess there are several reasons why, you know, this this whole relationship concept has just been strong in my mind. Of course, you know, first of all, for me, that was that was the beginning was was a relationship. I mean, I was messed up. I came to God for help. But immediately I realized it was a relationship. And I'm so thankful for that because I never got caught in one of these traps of making my relationship with God about doctrine or, or about being right, you know, about believing mm. the right things. And, you know, I, when I first got saved, I, I don't, uh, some of the people listening to this can't relate to this, but in the South, the Church of Christ in the South are very legalistic, and they believe they're the only ones going to heaven. They, they, they believe everybody else is going to hell because they don't wow. have the right name on their church. And so, and so my aunt, which loved me, cared for me, I live with my aunt and uncle when I was a runaway, and um, so it wasn't out of meanness or, or, or that sort of thing, but um, uh, she called me up one day, and she and they, you know she called me Jimmy, you know, from when I was a kid, you know. She says she she mm-hmm. called me up one day, and she said, "Well, Jimmy, I just want you to know I appreciate this change in your behavior, but you're still going to hell." Wow. And uh, <clears throat> I said, "Well, you think so?" She said, "No, I, I know so." And I said, "Well, I'll, I'll come by and talk to you." So. I, I went over to her house, and and again, she cared about me. I know that sounds awful mean, yes, and you know, awful cruel, and but but she cared, 
And that was her, you know, she might not have any finesse about her, but that was the way of expressing her care. So, um, you know, we began to talk. And I said, so, so tell me why it is that I'm going to hell. And she said, well, first of all, you go, you go to the wrong church. You, you know, you got to go to a church that, that, that's the church Christ. If it's got any other name on it, then it's not Christ's church. It's somebody else's church. I said, okay. And I said, so, and so tell me, tell me, you know, so kind of went through it. So <clears throat> the way the conversation progressed, you know, kind of progressed around doctrine. So I said, well, let, let me ask you something. I said, now, uh, do you think that if, if you were going to church, even though it had the right name on the, on the wall, it was called Church of Christ, but if you were believing wrong doctrine and didn't realize it, do you think you would still go to heaven? She said, no, absolutely not. And so, and so I asked her another interesting question because, you know, she, the whole sin issue, you know, you can't have any sin in your life. I said, so, okay. I said, so is it against the, is it sin to break the civil law? She said, oh yeah, it's sin to break civil law. I said, so if you're driving over the speed limit, you're, you're in sin, right? She said, yep. So I said, let me ask you. So if you lived a perfect life, had never, ever violated anything, and you're driving down the road, and you you don't realize it, and you're driving five miles over the speed limit, and you have a wreck and die, do you go to heaven or hell? She said, hell. Wow. wow. And uh, <clears throat> so, you know, we, we, we talked. And so, you know, at the end of it, I asked her this question. I said, so let me ask you something. Do you really know Jesus personally? And she said, well, you, you can't know Jesus personally. And I said, well, I do. And she said, well, well you can't. And I said, no, I, I do. I said, I have, I have a relationship with him. I talk to him. I hear him talking to me in my heart. She said, no, you can't hear God talking, you know, you know anymore. That's something that happened back in Bible times. And so, you know, the, the way the thing ended was, mm-hmm. you know, I said, you know something? I don't assume that all of my theology is right. All of my doctrine is just right. I don't assume that I, I don't have sin in my life, I, you know, but I but I know for a fact that I'm forgiven, and I know for a fact that Jesus is my Lord, and I said, so I have assurance of salvation because I know Him personally, mm-hmm. and I'm, and so the last question I asked her, I said, so so let me ask you this, do you know that you're saved? She said, oh no, you you, you can't know for sure till, till you get there. I said, so then really then you don't even know if your doctrine's right because you're not going to find that out till you get there. And I looked, I just looked her in the eye and I said, look, I know you're serious about God. I said, but you've got to understand something. I know him personally and I know my sins are forgiven. I know I'm saved. And, you know, and that, ha- that conversation happened within just a few months of me getting saved. Wow. But it it solidified some things to me that you know that that I was discovering as I was reading the Bible. That was a big difference for me as I started right out reading the Bible. I wanted to know what God said. I didn't care what man said. Didn't care what church said. I wanted to know what God said. But uh, you know, from the very beginning, I realized that stability, emotional stability, and what some people would call spiritual stability, does not come from your doctrine. It comes from the strength and the intimacy of the relationship. Mm. And I have, for 45 years of 
preaching the gospel to people, ministering to people, counseling with people. Here's the one thing that I have seen. I have seen that, that people who are not connected to God with relationship as the priority, those are the, always the people who go off the rails doctrinally. They mm-hmm. always go into some extreme uh, and end up, I'm not saying that they're, that they're not saved. I'm not saying they're not, that they don't know anything about God, but I'm saying, you know, anything that comes to you through your five senses and, and your brain is not, is not your mind. You know, your, 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 your brain is a physiolo- it's where you have a physiological expression to the thoughts, you know, that you think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anything that comes to us through our five senses is addictive, and, and something that's addictive, anything that's addictive stimulates your brain and causes your brain to release hormones that causes you, that causes you to have feelings. And the problem with addiction of any kind, emotional addiction, drug addiction, sex addiction, it doesn't matter what it is, is that every time you want to stimulate those feelings, you have to have a greater stimulation every time. And, and that, that's actually, you know, our tolerance to drugs. You know, it's, it's not even the drugs themselves that we get addicted to. It's what the drugs do that affect what happens in our body. And, and eventually our body taps out on the hormones that it takes to get us high because it's not just the drugs that get us high. And so, so we, we have to stimulate more, stimulate more, stimulate more, stimulate more. So the person that is relating to God around their doctrine and not around a relationship, then their security, their feeling secure in their salvation is based on doctrine. So two things happen there. Number one, that person becomes incredibly defensive because if anybody even implies mm-hmm. that they're questioning their doctrine, then they are yeah. threatening the very thing that makes them feel secure. And they're going right. to come out of the gate fighting because you're yeah. making them feel threatened. But I also know that that person also has to keep finding ways to stimulate and reinforce that doctrine. So th- these are the people that, that every scripture in the Bible has to be about grace. Every scripture in the Bible has to be about love. Every scripture in the Bible has to be about baptism. You know what I mean? Every scripture, in other words, they have to start making scriptures say what the scriptures are not saying because they need a new uh, um, uh, incentive, a new, a new high. They need something to keep reinforcing, you know, this intellectual connection that they have. So with that'll God. sound like a new revelation. It yep. has to be new because then that says I'm hearing from God. Yep. And it's because you've got to somehow yep. make an explanation of why your relationship yep. with God isn't as vibrant as it is. Right. You know, there, there's a guy I know that, and, and he, uh, uh, he, you know, he got on this thing of uh, he, he thought he was preaching grace and, and grace and love, and so. And so you know, he had to make every scripture about grace. And, and it, I heard him back a couple of years ago, and he had a message teaching how that wrath in the Bible really wasn't talking about wrath. It was talking about love. And you, and you <laughs> yes. sit there and you listen to this and you think, I can understand how you got here, but I can't yeah. understand why any person that still has half a brain is sitting here listening to this and they're kind of nodding their head like, yeah, this is a revelation. Because it's not a revelation. It's just, it's just feeding the addiction of I've got, I've got to keep telling myself this. I've got to keep convincing myself. And so 
the people who are going to have peace and the people who are going to have joy and the people who are going to hear God. They don't need to hear. That's another thing. If you're not hearing God speak, then you've got to hear something. And then what you're going to do is you're going to replace the voice of God in your heart with the voice of the intellect in your mind. And you've got to keep feeding that voice something to keep saying to you. And so there's no peace in that. There's no joy in it. And I'll tell you something else. There's no fruit in it. You don't have time to minister to and help other people because you are so busy proving that you're right about your doctrine. So, so hmm. you say, well, where does that get into the whole positional thing? Because one of the big arguments that's going on out there today with people that are not relationship-oriented with God is that, okay, I have these things positionally. So it's like, it's like, well, look, man, you know, what, what about this stuff? What about this open sin that's in your life? Well, I, you know, okay. Uh, yeah, that's there. I am positioned in yeah. Christ and he is my right. righteousness. But, but yeah, yeah, I'm in Christ and so I'm righteous. Well, you don't live righteous. Yeah, but positionally I'm righteous. And so, you know, I've given, I've, actually I've given, because, you know, I, I taught a lot about positional concepts over the years. I'm not against that. But what is that? What does that really mean? And, and when you bring, if you bring it back to a heart perspective, you start realizing that God looking at us and seeing us as righteous when we're, when we're not, it, I, I don't think it means that he can't see the unrighteousness. Agreed. I think it's like, a, it's like a husband looking at a wife or a wife looking at a husband or a parent looking at a child. And, and in their heart, they, they, they see and relate to that person, even though those other things are still there, and even though those other things can break their heart, they still look at them through this perspective. And so I think God is looking at us just like we're Jesus. I think mm. God is looking at us just like we're wow. flawless. I think God wow. is looking at us in every way that the Bible says he is, but I don't think that means that he can't see the other. There's no indication that he can't see the other. Now, our past is gone, but our behavior is present tense. So, so you know, all this stuff about positioning, then, then what that's telling me is you want to relate to God contractually, based on what the contract says you have, which is important. But you have no sense of the fact that you are having a negative effect on God. You are affecting his emotions. You are breaking his heart. You are causing him grief and sorrow, all the things that the Bible says that God experiences. And that tells me that you don't really care about the relationships. All you want are the benefits of this relationship. Hmm. So y'all, y'all mighty quiet over there. Well, I'm filtering this through, you know, just situations that I'm very close to, mm -hmm. and I'm seeing how this is more detrimental than we think because what this does is it robs us. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as we're not in a relationship, I feel we're being robbed of everything of who Jesus is to be with us. Absolutely. As I think that, and I've seen people that have had this before, and I think that's the biggest mystery to me as someone who has experienced God. And maybe you can help me with this, Jim. You know it's been real. And then they, they know, I don't know if they fall into it or they get intrigued by it, but somehow they get 
moved into this place where they think they still have relationship because they did at one time, mm-hmm. but you, it's very obvious, and that's not a judgment, but it's very obvious that they're working all everything through their mind and mm-hmm. their intellect right. to be right. Well, and, and that, that's the thing. Remember, the, you know, the, the mind always seeks to prove you're right. Yeah. And the heart always seeks to protect your identity and to protect the relationship. You know, the heart is the seat of love. The mind is is not the seat of love. So, <clears throat> so. So does this person? How does this? How does this person get from that place of real relationship when, and and we know it, and the listeners know it. When you have a relationship with God, it is, it is so beautiful, so captivating. So um, he's so, um, he provides everything yeah. we need for every day. Yeah. So how do we turn from that into this? You know, um, uh, the biblical model for salvation, and well, people just hate this. People just because this is a, this is a heart factor. You know, the Bible says we we are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. Right. And you know, this is talking about a, a, a continuum that, in a certain sense, if, if I am saved. You know, I have been saved, I am saved, I'm going to be saved. What that tells me, I don't look at that like in a linear concept. That tells me that every moment in time, my salvation, and every, in other words, my not just am I born again or not, but my salvation, my experience of, of who God is and what He's offering has to be present tense, has to be right now at this moment. Has doesn't matter what it was yesterday. Don't worry about what's going to be tomorrow. It's because t- tomorrow will be today when I get there, you know. Yeah. So in, in this relationship type thing, we don't understand that the model that God gives us is that salvation, getting born again, is what the Bible would call getting betrothed, is what we would call an engagement. Mm, mm, okay. So a betrothal, you know, in, in the Bible, a, a betrothal, they got, they got legally married. In other words, they they were married, and they had to get a divorce to get out of a betrothal. So we are betrothed, but we are we have not yet fully consummated the marriage in the sense of there's going to be a marriage feast, and just like the groom would go and and prepare a place for his bride and come back and sound and you know his the groomsman would come with him and sound a trumpet and and the bride would come out and meet him and go to the father's house all of that's going to happen for us through the second coming and and uh you know the the last the last trumpet is going to sound and and the bride of christ is going to meet him and we're going to go to the marriage feast we're going to go attend the marriage feast but in this betrothal period and and i love this concept of the betrothal period because it's like it's like th- there was no sex in this betrothal period, even though they're legally married. But this meant now they could spend time alone. This is where they get intimate. This, this is really where they fell in love with each other. This is where they <laughs> shared their hearts and everything was open between them. So that, so that, and I think we even talked about this a few weeks ago, so that by the time they actually had sexual intimacy, this is why the Bible used the word know, that they knew one another because they didn't know each other. They weren't just having sex based on a physical attraction. They were making a connection that was about everything that I, everything that we know about each other. Everything we've laid ourselves bare. We've we've opened our soul up, and so the whole idea of this betrothal period for us is the bride who is saying, 
I am embracing his love. I am making myself attractive to him. Uh, the groom, this is where the groom is saying, I'm, I'm showering you with everything to compel you to, to be in love with me and to be ready. Because, you know, he could come and, and, and blow that horn and her not come. That, that, that could happen if he didn't, if he didn't express and, and convey his love. So, so uh, we're, we're in that stage where the whole purpose of what we're doing right now is to be developing this relationship so that, so that when he calls us to meet him, there's not going to be a thing that says, oh, well, wait a minute, I like it here better than I'm going to like being with you. Or I'm, right. I'm getting more benefits here, you know, uh, living in daddy's house than I am living with you. It's all about, it's all about pursuing a love that is all-consuming. And so, and so, you know, the person is not relationship or they're like, they're like, well, why would I do that? Because God loves me. I know God loves me. Well, that, that, that's, that's not the point. The point is, are you, are you in love with God? Are you falling in love with God so that there is this openness, so that there is this yielding? So to go back to the question, you know, and, and I, every wedding I do, unless they just don't want me to do it, I always use the example of the pearl of great price. And of course, the pearl of great price is, the, is a kingdom concept that says you've got to want this kingdom of life more than you want anything else. And if you don't, then you really can't participate in it because not because God takes it away from you, but because but, but just you can't. You, you can't enter through the door carrying all your baggage, dragging all your junk through there. But I always mm -hmm. use that. I always use that example when I'm doing a wedding. And I always point out the fact, I said, you know, today you're standing here before me making vows that you mean, you're committed to, uh, you're planning on upholding these vows, and you're looking at each other saying, I give, up, I give up the right to have sex with other people. I give up the right to be emotionally romantic with other people. I give up every right of, of sharing the deepest part of my life with anybody else because I value you more than I value anything else. And that's what's supposed to happen between us and God. Now, God's already expressed that to us through the Lord Jesus. But, the, but, but this betrothal period is so that we really do come to that place to where we value him more than we value anybody else. And we value, you know, this relationship. But I always tell these couples, I said, now, one day in the future, at some point, one of you going to be tired, you're going to be ill, or you're just going to be plain self-centered. And Instead of seeking the, this relationship and the love of this relationship and how wonderful this relationship is, instead of giving, you're going to take. And on that day that you take, it's going to affect your spouse in a way that, that, that they may have to start, you know, protecting their heart. And, and a syndrome is going to start happening where you start down this, this path of self-centeredness. And then you're, going to, then you're going to look around one day and you're going to say, we're not in love anymore because love's all about giving. It's all about giving to the other person, honoring the other person, valuing what you have with that other person. Well, that's the same thing that happens to us in our walk with God. We just get up one day, with, you know, mm. we're tired, we're discouraged, we're worn out. And basically, we move into selfishness. We move into self-gratification. And the Bible teaches that if we move down this road, our heart becomes calloused. 
And, you know, a callus comes from doing something over and over and over until it becomes insensitive. And, and so, you know, what I used to, what used to bother me, uh, and some people say guilt or whatever, not necessarily, you, you know, people talk about guilt today as if guilt's a bad thing. Let me tell you something. Guilt is a natural thing. Guilt is like the red warning light on your car that says you are, your oil is low. You better do something. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. Guilt is not healthy if you stay there, but guilt is a warning that says, hey, you're doing something that's not natural for this who you are. That's not natural for this relationship with God or not natural way to treat your, your, your spouse. Well, if I ignore that feeling, then that's just like the rubbing of your hand when you're digging a hole with a shovel and you don't have gloves on. Then the only way as that guilt grows and those feelings grow that you can survive all that is for it to turn into a callus. And when it turns into a callus, you can do those same things that used to, uh, you, you know, make you feel so guilty. And you can do them. They don't bother you. Now, see what some people say. Well, see, now I'm free from condemnation. Now I do this. And, you know, uh, yeah, I, I might not. Maybe I shouldn't do it. But it really doesn't bother me. So and so I know this is no big deal with God because it's no big deal with me anymore. Mm. But th- but that's what happens. And so it's like that. It's like that person in a marriage that progresses from being a little self-centered to being a lot self-centered to uh, cheating on their spouse habitually. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a progression. And, and when you start that progression, one of the main things that you stop doing, you go into defensive mode. You got you to gotta protect yourself. You got to justify why you're right. You got you to gotta find fault with that other person. Well, that's what we do to God. And the one thing that we stop doing is finding and noticing all the reasons to be passionately in love with each other. Wow. I am just, I am just taking this all in. It is all helping me to understand, not just for myself, but for others. Yeah. You know, because it's true that, yeah, that happened. Someone just got self-centered and now you've got to defend yourself. Now you've got to justify. And then people around you feel attacked because you actually have to attack other people in order to somehow make yourself feel better about yourself. And I think that even deep down, it could be that um, you're you're trying to get a reaction out of somebody to reject you or something so that you'll have even more of an excuse to be more right. Oh yeah. Oh man, I see that all the time. You know, you know. B- before I got saved, I, I remember a, a situation. I almost hate to tell these stories on myself, but you know, it just it just was. But when I was, you know, when I was young, I was living with this girl, and 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 my brother, my brother came home from the military, and uh, and so we were we were preparing a meal, and uh, we needed to go to the store and pick up some bread to get ready mm-hmm. to eat. So my brother and I hopped in the car and basically stayed gone for three days. And, you know, all we did was dr- drink and chase women for three days. And then finally we ran out of money and and uh, decided we'd go home. Now, we, we bought the bread. That was hard to rock by the time we got home. Bought the bread. And, you know, and, and, and what I did, I'll never forget this. That is what I call a huge distraction. <laughs> yeah. So what I did was when I walked in the living room door, I walked in. And the first thing I said is, why is this house so nasty? What have you been doing? Wow. You need to clean this up. This looks like a pigsty. And, and the whole wow. deal was throw everything that you can at them and get them off balance. But also, then if they react, you say, well, see, that's why I stayed gone three days. That's why I was out getting drunk is because you're so hard to deal with. 
And, and that's exactly what people do. But the thing is, we do that with God. Now, we may not directly blame God, but we'll go, th- we'll, we'll point out what's wrong with the church. We'll point out what's wrong with other Christians. We'll point out what's wrong wow. with preachers. We'll point out, you know, we, we find all of this fault around God. And it's sort of like, God, I'm not going to really reject you. I'm just not going to do any of the things that the Bible says anymore because everybody that does that, it's a hypocrite. It's hitting you like it's hitting me, Bob. Yeah. Well, you see people making this path. I mean, how many people do you know that are in the progress of making this downward spiral right now? And you know what? This really applies to fighting for your family. Yeah. Because um, this is going to happen in every family. I'm. I, it's not. There's. I don't. I, I'm not trying to say. You know, give a doomsday. But to an element, yeah. there's going to be a. That you are going to. If you are in a family, you will have the opportunity to love somebody, and show them mercy, and accept them even when they're trying to push your buttons and get a rise yeah. out of you. And your spiritual warfare isn't just screaming at the devil. Your spiritual warfare is to be responding in the opposite spirit and not having those buttons and triggers that are going to make you react when they're really subconsciously trying to. They might not know they are, but they're subconsciously trying to make this about your faults and trying to get you to. Because we always want to be right. You want to be right. I got to be right. right. So that means you got to be wrong. I've never experience you know in my lifetime kind of the atmosphere that i am right now where it is so uh charged and and with with such division of you know the black and white Mm. you know the right and the wrong and and i've never seen um you know in in politics in society Yep. In 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 the church, I've never seen such polar opposites. Right. You know, and 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 the the emotion that's behind it, coming from both sides. Yeah, and and having to be right, that having other, to be right. So the other one has to be but, wrong. But the 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 viciousness and the attack, you know, that that is oh, out yeah. there. Yeah, and and it's almost as though everyone is on edge. Yep. Mm-hmm. You, you've got road rage like never before. Yep. Everybody seems to be on edge, uh, you know, politically. Um, you know, it, 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 you, you can't even have an opinion because right away, immediately, you're, you're labeled as you're something. This, yeah. yes. You know, you're that way. Um, and so, and these are in, and even with families that you've known each other all your life and share the same values, and all of a sudden, nope, you're wrong. Yeah. And, and it's all of a sudden like, where is this coming from? Yep. Y- you know, and it's dividing the church, it's dividing families. And um, so our response, as as we were saying, um, yes, we need to continue to be in, in love with Jesus and know that he is our provider, our provision, and he has wisdom for how to strategize. But every time I've been faced with this very personally, like I'm just mm-hmm. being personal, I have felt like, your reactions and your lack of reactions and you're just responding as love is doing so much in the spiritual realm. Like it's like Jesus is saying, Audrey, it might not seem like it's a really big deal that you're not reacting to this, but it is the most powerful thing you can be doing right now is having peace in your heart and continuing to walk in joy and not reacting to people wanting to push you because that is what is going to. They need for you to react. 
They uh, need right. for and you, you to react. And if you don't, they will continue yeah. to try harder to get you yeah. to react. And it must be very frustrating. But but back down to the relationship, yeah. you can't just psych yourself not to react. You have to actually have a relationship with Jesus yeah. where he is your peace yeah. every single day. Yeah. Like yesterday's peace was awesome, but I need his peace today. Yeah, his, you his you know what I mean? Yesterday ain't nothing for today. Yeah. No, today it was it, I exactly. Yep. And the arguments con, the argument will continue and and the tension and the fight will escalate the more that you become um demanding that I am on the right side. Yep. And it seems as though, you know, today everybody but I'm on this side because it is the right yep, side. Exactly. And it's like, no, you're you're narrow minded. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're ignorant. You're not on the right side. This I'm is on the, the right, right side. side. And guess what? No, there's never going to be a, a, a like. Talk about two episodes ago of this podcast. What is your intention? Consider the intention and the outcome of a conversation, or before you come no. to the end, are you going to prove your rightness, or are you going to to show value? even to that person. So how do you help someone that is in the mode of what we're talking about that's in this whole right thing? And as, and as well, I just I want to bring in uh, this point, and I, I don't want to throw us off, but I don't know of anyone who was more right than Jesus. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and yet he said, I didn't come to this world to condemn this world, yep. but that the world through me might right. be saved. I don't know of anyone who had... Right. The right to be right, and never once did he. So, where does it come to a place where you should say something and influence this person who's walking down the self-centered path? Well, let's let's uh, let's look more at the concept. We might uh, let's let's look a little bit more at the concept or what's happening from a heart perspective before we because because if even if we get the there there is no one right way to handle. This, because everybody's going to be different. The dynamics are going to be different. Yes. We know the that relationship we know that we're going to walk way. in love. We, we know that, but now we know that for sure. No, that's that's the only thing we know to do. But we just don't know what that's going to look like in every given situation. Exactly. But let's remember, you know, um, uh, I, 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 one of the one of the I'm trying to think when, when I think it comes out this week or some sometimes where everybody has my app. They get what I call my dailies, where every day I post yes. something in. I don't know if it's this week or when it's where I, where I talk about uh, uh, somebody brought the question to me where it's like, look, I'm always trying to walk in love and I'm always getting hurt. I'm always getting taken advantage of. And, you know, my point to that or my answer to that is that's because you don't understand love from God's perspective. See, see, these people that are doing this stuff, they're going to find them a doctrine to make them right. And they're going to want to fuss with you about a doc, about doctrine. And <clears throat> so... So, you know, that's where they're going to go to get their security. That's where they're going to go to prove themselves right. And when you begin to talk to these people about the love of God, they're going to go, I know the love of God. Well, what they're, they can't be biblically knowing the love of God because if you are, the word no means experience. If you are experiencing the love of God, you will be expressing the love of God. Hmm. Period. So, so uh, period. There, and, 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 you know, because the Bible says, you know, uh, he he that loveth not, the person who is not showing love, walking in God's definition of love right this moment, is is not knowing at this moment. They're not experiencing God right at this moment. I don't know what they're experiencing. Usually they're experiencing ego. They're experiencing the need to be right. They're experiencing, you know, the flesh or whatever you want to call it. But 
so, so, but these people are going to insist that they are connected to the love of God. But you, but you got to go back to the fact, you know, in the, in the Greek, there are three primary words for love that we see in the New Testament. There's, there's the agape love that, that really flows out of God's character, and it's about having value for people. Not, and see, people don't understand unconditional love. These people who try to take advantage of a relationship with God, they're saying, well, God loves me. Oh, no, no, no. Well, wait a minute. The kind of God love that God has for someone out there is a value, and they're precious, and He cares about them, but that has nothing to do with their behavior because it's, that's all about His character. So, see, they're going to take me or you teaching about the agape love of God and say, well, see, my behavior doesn't matter because God loves me no matter what my behavior is. Well, you have to realize, though, God is loving you like a person who doesn't love Him. This has nothing to do with you being in a love relationship with God, has nothing to do with God being in a relationship with you. It is God out of his own character saying, I have value, so I will treat you with value. See, I want you to understand something. Not everybody is my brother. You know, you got this concept today where it's like, you know, we got to treat everybody like our brothers. No, we don't. Not, not everybody's my brother. You know, Jesus made a distinction between your brother and your neighbor and your enemies. And, and when you go back to the Hebrew, you start looking, there's four words for the, for the love of God. And one of those words relates very closely to the agape love of God, where it's like, this is a love that comes out of who I am and my value for you, but this is not the kind of love that a person experiences who is loving me back. So you go through the scripture, man, you look at Psalm 91 and, and, and he starts talking about what he's going to show to the person who loves him. You go back and read Deuteronomy and, and all the things that God says will happen to people that love him. Well, see, people say, well, see, I, I'm under the new covenant, so that doesn't apply because God loves everybody equally. Well, God loves everybody equally, but relationally, you can only have the kind of love with him that is equal to the how you're entering into the relationship and so it's not that there's it's not that god's not offering that to everybody because he's offering that kind of relationship mm -hmm. to everybody but not mm -hmm. everybody wants that kind of relationship and so it goes back to the hearing and obeying i can't even hear what god's really trying to give me and do in my life if i'm not yielded to him if i don't have value for him if i'm not open to him if he's not my love if i don't cherish him and cherish his word now now people are trying today are trying to say that's all legalism that's all that's all dead works no that's relationship yeah and god's never yes. going to hurt me you know, that's not right. the point. You know, people say, well, look, I, I know, you know, God loves me. He, he, he's not going to hurt me if I do this. That's sort of like saying, if I drink this poison, I don't have to worry because God's not going to kill me. Well, no, God's not going to kill you, but the poison will. Right. And, and we don't understand. Sin still kills. Sin is still mm -hmm. just as deadly as it has ever been. And Paul warns about that, and Jesus warns about that. But because... But just because of the absence of a relationship. You know, you look at these uh, millennials right now, and we talked about this oh, back, I don't know, a month or so ago. You know, these millennials are going out, and they're actually, there's a, the percentage is astronomically high of the millennials 
who have sex before the first date. Before. Right. We did talk about that. In other words, yeah. in other words, they meet a person, it's like, uh, that person, uh, you know, he looks pretty cute, she looks pretty cute, whatever. Uh, and you just take them back in the corner and do them right there. Mm-hmm. And the point is, in their mind, is, well, I'm going to find out if the sex is good before I pursue any kind of a dating relationship. So the whole thing is selfish. The whole thing is self-centered, which means it doesn't matter how good a relationship that other person wants. You can't have a good relationship with them in the state that you're in. Can't happen. And so then the cry of millennials is, why don't relationships last? Why doesn't this ever, why, why, why doesn't this ever work? Well, that's the way we are with God. We're approaching God saying, I want you to, I want you to be my whore. I want you to just give me what I want, when I want it. And, and we're going to call that love. And then six months down the road, you're like, you know, this is not interesting. This, is, this isn't working for me. Well, why isn't it working? Because it's not a relationship. And so because it's a heart thing, there is, on one level, you can explain it to people, but here, here's the paradox. Mm. If somewhere in them they don't have the heart for it, you can't make them get it. And that's that's the nobody can do this for you. Like no. nobody, no mom, no dad, no brother, right. sister, someone could really love you and want to give this to you, or you might want to love someone enough to give it to no. someone else. But it really comes down to you this you is gonna be them. something. And if you no. try to, you're gonna create a codependent ministry. If you try if you try to give people what only God Himself can give them, then they're going to feel like you're pressuring them and you're always going to be frustrated with them. And then they're going to put on an act for you as long as it's convenient, as long as they want you around. They're going to put on an act like they're kind of pretending like they're making this journey with you. And they're only doing that to get whatever it is they want. And at some point, it's all going to blow up and it's going to be, you know, a, a terribly, terribly negative, negative situation. So, so we have to, you know, and this is one of the things, by the way, you know, uh, one of my first books I wrote on leadership, the leadership that builds people. And the whole point of that leadership volume one is learning how to avoid codependency in ministry by not mm-hmm. trying to do for people what they have to do for themselves. You know, something when I read that book initially quite a while ago, Bob and I were just starting to really move into more marriage issues. And I got a concept out of there that we still talk about every time we go and speak. And that is this, you know what, the relationships around you are, can be your contributor, but they will never be your source. And so that the, the, what came out of that for me, Jim has just wanted to thank you for that book because that concept, which you go into a lot more detail Mm -hmm. has changed how we even approach marriages. Like Mm -hmm. you can't expect your spouse or your, your kids to, they'll contribute to your life, to your joy, to your happiness, to your peace, to your whole bunch of stuff, to your money, but they will never be your source. And, and, so, I mean, we, we'll definitely put that on our website just to say, less listener, if you're interested in this book, it'll be there sure. at livetransform.com okay. because that book is, wow, life-transforming oh. for me. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and, and the, I always tell people, uh, I always tell people when I'm on this particular passage, I say, listen, I've got some, I, I, I've got a really great scripture for you, then I got a really tough scripture for you. And I'll go over and I'll read in the book of Hebrews, you know, where it says, where it talks about, uh, you know, God writing these things on your heart. 
and, and then no more shall every man say to his neighbor, you don't know the Lord. And I said, so the great news is this, you'll never have to rely on anyone else to hear from God because God right. is going to speak directly yeah. to you. And so, you know, I build up the positive of that, how exciting. Yeah. It is. And I said, now here is the horrible scripture, and this is so difficult. And I read the same scripture. No more shall every man say to his neighbor, no Lord. I said, the horrible part is nobody can bring this to you, which means if you don't want this bad enough for yourself to open your heart, do what it takes to connect to God, then the real truth is nobody can bring it to you. It's all about personal responsibility. No, this, this whole thing about knowing God in a loving relationship, we can inspire people, we can paint a picture, we can do everything compelling, we can tell stories, but at the end of the day, unless that person starts this journey of experiencing God for themselves, and, and like, we, like we talked about last week, you know, grace for grace. You know, you start where you start. And, and, you know, I used to, one of the biggest altar calls I used to give, I mean, I'm talking about where, I'm talking about whole churches would empty out come to the altar would be uh, where I would get people to actually admit that they didn't love God. And uh, most of the places I ever did that, if there were 500 people there, there would never be less than 400 at the altar. Because, See, we can't even admit that to ourselves. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think we've talked about this before, but, you know, I would always use the, that. Remember that example? You know, like, okay, so, you're, you know, you're working 12-hour shifts. You're away from home for a month. You, you know, you're, you're not getting to see your wife. You know, da, 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 da. you're not getting to pray and read your Bible, none of this stuff. So you get back home, man, all the way back uh, driving home, you're just thinking, I'm going to finally get to see, I'm going to get to see my wife, man, you, you know, I, and I, I just, when I'm telling this story, I just think about when I used to go off on mission trips and stay gone for weeks at a time, man, it's like I hug Brenda and kiss her and hold her and didn't want to be away from her, you know, because I just had that longing for her. But then you say, okay, so, but during that same time, you didn't pray, you didn't read your Bible, you didn't do anything spiritual, you didn't commune with God and now you've got to reconnect to God. What what are your emotions? And for most people, it's like, well, kind of like I'm afraid. I feel uncertain. I feel a little bit of dread. I feel kind of like God's going to be disappointing in me. And, numb. And, I feel numb. Yeah. And so my question yeah. is, well, wait a minute. If this is what a relationship looks like with your spouse when you've been away, why doesn't it look that way with God? Why is it? Why aren't you just longing? To, to be back connected to him. Why aren't you just why aren't you just overflowing with the fact that man, I you know, I, I haven't talked to you in a month, but man alive, we, I'm gonna have time with you. Why isn't the same? I'll tell you why it's not the same. Because it's not a relationship. And you know, and we gotta and, own that. And and what the illustration that you spoke about earlier, when we come back, were um riddled with this guilt yeah, yeah and so then i've got to conjure up this doctrine yeah. that makes me feel like i guess i'm okay yeah. which then just results in a calloused hard yeah. heart but at least i can argue my position yeah. yeah that's well said bob well said yeah so you know okay well at the end of the ahead. day every person has to decide no matter where i think i am or not Will I make this thing with God a relationship? Period. 
Amen. The end. <laughs> See you next time and, on the yeah. next podcast. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. and you know, uh, you know, people are going to say, well, how do I do that? Well, remember, nobody can tell you how to know the Lord. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'll ask people, and, and sadly what comes out is most of the people that are not seeking a relationship with the Lord, not all, but I would say 80 to 90% are not actually seeking relationship with their spouse. They're coexisting. Right. They have an arrangement. And one of the greatest ways to know if you're in a relationship with God is to determine if you're really in a relationship with the people around you. Yeah. Last night, Audrey and I, you know, had the opportunity to sit with another couple. And so we were kind of just addressing just some kind of core fears. And so they were going through them and they're just like, wow, you know, had we had this list, you know, when we were first married, wow, we, we would have, you know, checked mm-hmm. them all off, you yeah. know, kind of thing, because it was really influencing, you know, our relationship. But today, you know, not so much. Mm-hmm. And, and I began to describe, you know, how over time, it's just become um, an expected behavior or a normal, or this is just as good as life will ever be. And this is the way that we survive. And so then I I said, but what I want you to do is I want you to come alive, you know, rather than just being dormant in your relationship and existing, I want you to become, I want you to come alive again. And so there are some positive affirmations that are the opposite of the fear Mm -hmm. where there's expressed love. Mm -hmm. And I said, can you read these and then begin to describe to me that that's what you're experiencing you're in your relationship feeling. and what you're <laughs> feeling with each other. And that's where the challenge came in. Yeah. Because although, yeah, we're married, yeah, we've got a family, yeah, everything's okay, but they weren't, you know, interacting yeah. and experiencing the love, you know, one with another. And we and, all crave that because mm-hmm. that's living. That's life. Yeah. That's how you experience life is with our senses and with our experiences. But see, that goes our... back to intentionality. Yes. You know, do you, do you intend to make your spouse feel special? Yes. Do you intend to make God feel special? Right. Do yes. you intend to, to, uh, to tread lightly in any area that might in any way be hurtful or offensive. Mm. You know, do, do you intend to give time to them? Do you intend to open yeah. your heart up and tell them the truth about how you're, how you're feeling about things and let them have input back and forth? And so <clears throat> there's got to be that intentionality. And then there's got to be the following through on it, however that looks to you. And there's nobody can tell you how that needs to look exactly. There's tips we can give people. Right. But uh, but it's just a journey of there's no staying substitution. No, that's right. Yeah. A journey of staying in love. Wow. Well, we you know, our time has definitely run out. I don't even uh, know how long uh, we've been doing this, but I just know that all of us, all of us as the listeners, as me. I know that this is a beautiful invitation. Yeah, if there was ever a beautiful invitation you've received, it's right. this one yep. because it's an invitation to complete uh, yeah. journey of yeah. staying in love. And the things you know today that were shared, again, you cannot afford to go back and just listen to it to establish right doctrine. Right. The, the, the words that Jim has been sharing today are invitational. 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't need you to just kind of conceptually say, okay, I got it now. No, you need to go no. back and now step into that relationship and really just, no. you know, bury your heart before the Lord and just say, Lord, here I am. I want to be so enthusiastic about our time together, no. about my life with you, that I can't wait and let let those thoughts, those images and those emotions begin to, you know, draw you right. into that relationship that you can truly experience with him. You know, there's a, there's a new saying I've coined lately. Mm-hmm. Revelation equals manifestation. I don't know if it's a revelation until it manifests in my life. So to mm-hmm. say I've got it now is kind of a, kind of superficial, shallow, uh, premature. Wait till it bears fruit. When it bears fruit, then you can say, yeah. got this. Got yeah. it. Got it. Well, um, as we close, I know that as you're listening to this, we all just can't wait to, to talk to Jesus. I mean, I just want to yeah. get alone and do that. I think if I'm feeling that, I think you probably are too. But I will say this. I think that it's necessary that you share this particular podcast with some of your friends mm-hmm. because I just think there's more. Let's just promote this kind of relationship with God right. and this kind of relationships even that will definitely affect all right. of our relationships with our families and everyone else because this is the journey that i'm taking yes you know this is this is this is where i'm going i, I want to take that journey with mm-hmm. you yes and i think what what a wonderful uh, invitation that would be as well i'd really encourage you uh, take a moment you know drop us an email you know make a comment you know just let us know that these uh podcasts are making a difference and because we we want to continue and we will because I, I, you know, for me, they're landing. Yeah. And uh, and sometimes it's good just to, uh, you know, make a comment and say, yeah, yeah. And Jim, what's the, uh, we're going to go to Live Transformed if you want that book by Jim, the, the one about codependency. What is that one oh, titled? Oh, you're talking about the one on leadership? Leadership that builds yeah. people, volume one. Beca- mm-hmm. Because that, that was the one that really deals with codependency, isn't it? Yeah. I have another book that's all about codependency called Take Control of Your Life. But That's the one uh, that I wrote. Okay. That's the one. Okay. That's the one that really affected me, Take yeah. Control of Your okay. Life. Okay. And uh, so I encourage you to go live. Also, Jim mentioned his dailies. You can download Jim's app and sign up for his dailies if you want to get involved with Jim in that way and have him in your life every day when you wake up. And so (laughs) there we go. We want to thank you all for listening. We love you and love that you love Jesus so much. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.